Hi, everybody. Welcome to second episode of Interesting Stuff. This is going to be another civics episode. Um, I didn't really introduce this in the first episode. I kind of just started talking about um, civics things. But, um, you know, the point of the podcast is um, kind of as a review and kind of extra, um, you know, reinforcement for the classes that I teach in civics and history. And so I'll have civics episodes and history episodes. And I'm also hoping to include some episodes um, that I'm gonna categorize as how'd you do that, where I'm gonna interview interesting and cool people who are kind of more in their young people. So people in their twenties and thirties um, who are doing interesting things and the focus is kind of on how they how they got there from from high school up to now, um, and I'm hoping that that might be really interesting to um, my listeners, um, in particular middle and high school kids who I hope are listening to this, my students in my civics and history classes. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> today I'm going to be doing a civics episode. And this is uh, part two of the John Locke and political theory um, intro to American civics. So last time we talked about um, who John Locke was uh, and I gave an overview of his theory of natural rights, uh, kind of the basic components of it, um, the assumptions that underlie it. And now we're gonna kind of move on and talk about some other important ideas related to um, the origins of government. And again, the reason why we're talking about this in a, you know, in a civics class is because these are the kinds of ideas that the framers were thinking about, not just the framers, but the, all of the kind of revolutionary generation. Um, you know, to clarify, when we say framers, we we are talking about the people who were at the Constitutional Convention, but that wasn't until later. The revolution had to happen first. And um, the revolutionaries, the American revolutionaries were very much inspired by the ideas of John Locke. And they were thinking about these um, big ideas that we're talking about. John Locke wasn't the only important guy. There are others, but in this class, we're kind of focusing on, on his ideas. Um, He's arguably um, the most important. There are some others maybe that are tied with him, guys like Montesquieu and um, Sidney was very important too, although he's kind of a forgotten hero, but one of my favorites. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? Today we're talking about the idea of a state of nature and what that is. So state of nature is, to put it simply, a time and place where there is no government and no laws. And the first thing that a lot of people might ask is, when was such a time? Well, maybe never. Um, you know, this is kind of a debated idea, you know, um, political thinkers kind of use this idea as a 
intellectual exercise, just as a way to think about what people would be like without government. And then we can start thinking about what people are actually like without rules and authority. And that kind of helps us to then think about how we should design um, a government. So was there ever a state of nature? I don't know. Um, some people think so, others think not. Um, but that's not really the point. The point is that this is a theoretical kind of thing and we are doing it. We're pretending that there was such a time so that we can start to think about how we should design governments and maybe where governments come from, what the origins of governments are, um, how they are legitimate, meaning um, you know, lawful, and um, you know, why we should actually put our trust in them. Um, and so in class, I'm gonna kind of give a summary of what we discussed. So in my classes with um, eighth graders, we talked about what everybody thought life would be like if there was no government and no laws. And generally people clustered around two different poles. So some people said that it would be just chaos and apocalyptic. And um, I think in every one of my classes, somebody mentioned the movie, The Purge, which I have not seen, but, um, and for those of you listening and watching who have not, who also haven't seen it, um, this is a movie where, it's a horror movie where the government has a day of no laws and then the, the crim criminals run loose and are killing everybody. And, you know, it's like a, just bloodbath basically. So some people thought that in a state of nature where there's no rules and no government authority, it would just be a bloodbath. Um, other people said, well, no, it wouldn't be a bloodbath. People still kind of would be normal. They would maybe want to cooperate with each other. Not everybody would. Some people would be take advantage of the situation and, you know, maybe go around um, stealing and killing people and um, behaving in, in such ways, but but then most people would not do that. Most people would just kind of, you know, want to get along with other people and, um, you know, cooperate, be friendly, be sociable, that kind of thing. Um, and what's interesting is, so these two different views kind of um, rely upon two different views of what human nature is. So if you're the kind of person who thinks that without government and laws, life would be just a chaotic bloodbath, um, like the movie, The Purge, then you have a pretty negative view of human nature. Um, for you, people are, you know, um, kind of, what, just, just purely self-interested and driven by a kind of desire for power and more um, material gain and wealth and things like that. If on the other hand, you're one of the people who said, well, 
it would be scary and there would be definitely people, you know, trying to take advantage, but people would get along with each other generally and, and that kind of thing. If you're one of those people, then you have a more positive view of human nature. Um, you know, that maybe we are able to kind of understand, um, you know, right and wrong without being told about it. Um, and what's fun, what was fun for me anyway, about doing this exercise with a bunch of, you know, 13 year olds, is that these two views kind of, um, um, orbit the two different views of these two giants of uh, political philosophy, John Locke and Thomas Hobbes, who had very different views about um, human nature and what life would be like in a state of nature. So if we think about what we talked about last time, you know, about John Locke, that he's this 17th century English philosopher writing about revolution and um, I talked about, you know, that there are these three kind of three English revolutions where the American Revolution is the third. Um, and we talked about the English Civil Wars and the Glorious Revolution. Hobbes comes from the same world. He's a little older than Locke. Um, and he was kind of a, you know, he was an adult during the uh, English Civil Wars. And as I mentioned before, those were these very bloody um, civil wars um, that ended in this uh, kind of tyrannical dictatorship under Oliver Cromwell. Um, Hobbes had a very kind of negative view of what the state of nature would be like. For him, um, he describes it as a state of constant war of all against all. So for him, everybody would be so fearful for their lives and suspicious of others that you would basically either be preparing for battle or killing other people um, to defend yourself, to prevent, uh, you know, to keep yourself alive. And it would be just terrifying. Um, he wrote two, two really important books, one called De Cive and one called uh, the Leviathan. Leviathan is the one that, um, you know, you'll probably read when you go to college. Um, and in Leviathan, he says that life in the state of nature uh, is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Um, and so for him, thinking about morality and stuff like that is almost kind of irrelevant in a state of nature. In a state of nature for Hobbes, every, everybody's morality would be simply a matter of um, kill or be killed and all about survival. So what is sort of quote unquote right would just be whatever keeps you alive. Um, Locke, on the other hand, disagrees with this. Um, Locke, remember from last time, He's our natural rights guy. And where do these natural rights come from? They come from God. Why do we have them? Because we're human beings. Um, for Locke, human nature is most 
defined by our ability to reason. And so the fact that I know that I care about my life and I care about my liberty and I know just kind of, you know, in my gut that if I pick up a piece of wood and turn it into a table, that that table is now mine. All those things that we talked about last time, I know those things are true. I feel them um, and they just sort of are um, intuitively true. Um, because I know those things are true for me, I sort of can exercise my reason to know that they're true for other people. And that's how in a state of nature for Locke, we actually can come to know the natural law. We can know, we can come to know these natural rights by, by using our reason. Um, and so you can, from there, kind of see how for Locke, in a state of nature, things like cooperation and coming to agreements and stuff like that would be easier than, than for Hobbes. And so then from these two different views on what the state of nature is, um, they have very different views about um, government. So Locke is a Republican who believes in, the, in Republicanism. Um, where we have, um, which is based on um, consent. So we all are, we all have to kind of come together and agree that we are going to give up some of our rights so that we can create a government that will then protect our rights. Um, on the flip side, we have Hobbes. Hobbes believed. Um, he was an absolute monarchist. Hobbes basically thought that, you know, people can't know about morality and all these great things without some kind of authority teaching it to them. And so for him in a state of nature, you know, it's just so incredibly dangerous that people would very quickly kind of come together and just say, yeah, sure you know, we'll, we'll live under the rule of that really powerful guy who's been bossing us around anyway. And, um, you know, he's promising that he'll, you know, if we kind of, you know, give up some of our crops and we just sort of obey him um, and pay taxes or, or whatever, um, you know, he'll provide for order and security. So there's not really this, the same, there's not really a focus on rights. It's more for him, the origin of government is more about just people being desperate for, you know, staying alive. And so it's more about um, security, um, just kind of law and order and security. Whereas for Locke, you know, in the state of nature, we already have, we already through our reason have a concept of, you know, what rights are and things like that. And so for Locke, we can come together in a state of nature and come up with agreements that produce, um, you know, the kinds of governments that the revolutionary generation in America wanted to create, for example, and that we live with now. So, you know, a government based on consent 